Well, hell. Good evening, Brent. How the hell are you? Can't can't complain about my my quarters. Yeah, Um, yeah. (laughs) Got to be heading over to the dollar store. Seem to have a tear in my my knickers. Could use a drink at the learned go. In my cracked mug. Yeah. Uh, fuck. Um. Westerns. Westerns, man. Yeehaw. Yeehaw. Rootin' tootin' pa-chow, pa-chow, pa-chow. Bang, bang. Shoot him. Boom. Shoot him down, shoot ya, put you in the dirt, hang, get a, get a hangin'. Um. Bone. In fuego! Tomahawk. Bone, tomahawk, everybody. A tomahawk that is made of bone. Yes. Many are used in this 2015. Film. Yeah. <laughs> is the film uh, we watched today. <laughs> yeah, directed by S. Craig uh, Zoller. 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 Uh, featuring none other than fucking Kurt Russell, Patrick Wilson, Richard Jenkins, and Matthew Fox, who actually said this was his favorite film he's ever been in and had always wanted to do a Western. It was a good role. Yeah. But even better, I gotta say, and yeah. we'll go into it, Richard Jenkins is chicory. Yeah, fucking goat. He's so good. And even, like, in a movie where Kurt Russell is, you know, playing fucking a Western... Kurt Russell. Yeah, yeah. Kurt, Russell West, Kurt Russell Western character. Yeah, we've we've seen him in a few. Uh, Hateful Eight, for one. We can't seem to get away from... Uh, that was Kurt Russell, yes? Yeah, okay, good. Yes. Can't can't seem to get away from uh, from Tarantino. Tarantino's the past finger two feet. episodes. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, sorry. I love Kurt Russell's beard he's got on his feet. Him and his fucking bearded so, hobbit toes. Like a <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay. Um. I'm a hop on that head. <laughs> so Bone Tomahawk was shot in a whopping 21 fucking days on a 1.8 million dollar budget, which kind of shows. Because most of it takes place in the in, fucking sticks. Yeah, in Southern California. The rocks. Which apparently they were going to shoot in New Mexico, and I, I guess like I couldn't really tell the difference. You could tell me that it was shot in New Mexico. And if like, you okay, asked sure. me where it took place, I probably would have yeah. said New Mexico. Or like, you know, I don't know, like, what what would that be? Like, southwestern Utah? Arizona. Arizona? Yeah, like, literally any any of that area. Any of that area. The West. <laughs> the West. Uh, Northwestern Tejas. Yeah. Mexico. Literally any any of any of the places that you go, other than Louisiana in Red Dead Redemption One and Two. One and two. <laughs> Bantin So yeah. Uh, speaking of which, this only kind of feels like a Western to me. Honestly, like. Watching the first time, I feel like it's like almost a Western horror film. Yeah, yeah. It's. It also kind of works as a horror film. Like, there's some spooky bits. Very much so, like a supernatural overture. The, the antagonist force is yeah. kept mostly unknown. Which I loved. Until the end. Yeah. And even then, like. You don't really fucking know. Yeah, you kind of just recoil at what you just saw and then leave and then just kind of like well we're never you gotta, going back there yeah you gotta deal with it uh and you can only hope that the threat is dealt with and the likes will never see the day um kind of uh kind of feels like now some of the the weird shit that you would find in red dead redemption one and two are kind of a nod to those uh you know like penny penny novels of the day kind of talking about 
this strange, untamed lands. He killed and ate his whole family. Yeah. yeah. And you might find that man somewhere down the road. Also, keep in mind, this movie opens with David Arquette uh, bluntly cutting somebody's throat. Yeah. And Sid Haig yelling at him for not doing a good enough job. Yeah, because it's a dull-ass knife, and he's literally just rubbing him like a butter knife against someone's throat, more or less. You know, it, it seems like it's seen a lot of use. It's rusty. Uh, perhaps that's the vibe that they were kind of trying to show yeah. off. Uh, also, real quick, I mean, I don't think, we haven't really talked about Sid Haig too much. No, yeah. Like, honestly, like, st- they really, I really wish they hadn't put Sid Haig in so much of, like, the beginnings of movies. Right. And then never touching him again. Right. He's, he's, um, and obviously, you know, if, if you have listened to this episode, perhaps you've listened to other episodes, we're actually pretty big fans of Nick Cage. Nick Cage in the right hands is a fucking weapon of mass destruction. He will blow your movie up in a, in a good way. And I feel like Sid Haig has a lot of that same energy and no one utilized him. Yeah, like, I kind of wish, like, Rob Zombie wasn't the only one that liked him. Right, I yeah. That's Craig Zoller. Uh, he's, I'm, he, other directors have used him, but, like... Yeah. But seeing him in uh, seeing a much just more... Seeing like, one, like, the beginning of the movie... yeah. He awesome. took to his character naturally. His lines felt like they were delivered from a, a human being, not an actor, <laughs> in a role. Uh, we didn't get enough time to to meet him, you know? But in the short time, you know, it's like, okay, I could watch a movie with this guy. Yep, yep. Real quick. Yep. I feel the same way about A House of a Thousand Corpses. Yes. We, we, that but you Captain Spaulding in the yeah. beginning of the movie where he's just hanging out in the gas station slash chicken dinner restaurant. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Which we used to have a lot of here in Iowa. Chester's Fried Chicken. <laughs> it's so damn good. <laughs> mm. um, where he's just hanging so out mean. in the gas station with that other guy who's another actor who also passed away recently, which I cannot remember the name of at the moment. I'm sorry. Um, the world will forgive your sins. And then he had just a gas station robbery gone wrong that he turns around. I was mm-hmm. like, I could watch a whole movie. It's just dis- disconnected scenes of just him hanging out and fucking around this gas station. Right. But then House of a Thousand Corpses happened. Yeah. Which I'm not complaining. Right. It's fine. Yeah. It's House of a Thousand Corpses. It's just a freewheeling mess. Yep. And yeah, I, I kind of like it for that. Yeah. It is the theatrical... Uh, kind of, what do I want to say? It, it is the equivalent of the scene in Red Dragon where Philip Seymour Hoffman is lit on fire and, and <laughs> rolled down a hill in a wheelchair. This is them after the transformation, do you see? Yes. Yes. So, yeah. Uh, we should also watch the movie uh, Manhunter sometime. I would I would be down for that as well. Okay. Um. But, yeah, that's. I just want to say about Sid Haig, it's just... yeah. Every movie I've watched him in recently, shame. it's just like, oh my god. Yep. I wish I could have seen more of him. Yep. That's the uh. tragic thing, you know? And uh, he's obviously got quite a backlog, uh, which I haven't really delved too deep in. And, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I feel ashamed. I feel ashamed for that. Um, but he I did feel a lot like for, I would... um, charities, too. There's, like, the scares yeah, that he was cares. A, he was a great fucking guy. He was very uh, prominent in that. So mm-hmm. he's showing up. I, every like fan interaction with him, I had just nothing but good things to yeah. say. He was just very genuine, awesome dude. Yeah. 
but which yeah. which a lot of people in that circle I've I've heard really good things of um, the 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 folks over at uh, Casualty Friday uh, on the Fangoria podcast network all the all three of those folks are are really great in that aspect and um, they really uh, they actually talk down quite a bit about like the people that that aren't and they're like who who the fuck are you like <laughs> you're talking like Captain Spaulding, Jason Voorhees, you know, like iconic people. And when you have an iconic person like Sid Haig, it's it's depressing to see that you you didn't take your opportunity. He's a really really good character actor. Yeah, he really is. So back to the the movie as a whole, it has a very western movie pacing in that, you know, there's there's going to be action at the beginning. And then some slow rolling, and then a little blip, you know, keep you hooked. And now, you know, we can walk for an hour and just have conversation. It's also funny. Yeah. And that's what holds a lot of the movie together. It is literally the mortar to the brick. And uh, all of that pretty much comes from Chicory's interactions with, with people. <laughs> it is all the other characters having to deal with them. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. As he asks, like silly ass questions like mm-hmm. you ever read a book in a bath can you do that <laughs> can you do that I always ruin my books drop them in the tub getting my wet fingers on the pages like it's so like wholesome it's like dude yeah. what are you doing here hunting down these like like <laughs> yeah like these terrifying unknown individuals that have kidnapped uh, Patrick Wilson's character's uh, wife Samantha uh, played by, oh, who was she? Oh, and then um, and then the the deputy, and I can't remember that fellow's name either. Um, and this came after um, a uh, stable boy was butchered viciously, uh, yeah. which you get to see a bit about, I would say. Um, these uh, these antagonists, these so kind Lily of like, Simmons and oh, Evan. That's right, John, Johnny Johnny Kite. I can't, I can't, I don't. Not familiar I'll let you look with you that. Yep. Yonagek. 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 But yeah, they, yeah, those are the characters. Those yeah. are the actors. A lot of, like, good actors. Like, usually I try and, like, keep it down to just a few. Right. But, like, there's... Or, like, one lead person, such as, say, Kurt Russell, to yeah. kind of herd the the rest of the uh, the actors that that typically end up having um they all have like minor their, roles. they all have their moments they don't i feel like no, yeah. none really outshines, outshines the other yeah. i mean I, I know i'm talking up chicory but like right i have a bias i guess yeah i mean he he was when when he interacted with the rest of the party those were my my favorite parts yeah those were my favorite parts that was that was some of the best things and i know that like perhaps Zoller was trying to kind of get us to um, be more interested in, say, Patrick Wilson's uh, kind of struggle, uh, his un- unbounded uh, determination like to get devotion through. devotion to yeah. his wife. Yeah, which is, which is really touching um, to see it persist even through this uh, unimaginable, um, unknown horror. You know, yeah. I can't imagine I would uh, go to the lengths he did if I had a busted up leg and right. had to ride on horseback and eventually walk. Yeah, a five days journey. Yep. 
to through rough, awful terrain, awful terrain to get to a destination which I may not return from. Yeah, with a leg that's like literally on the verge of gangrene, <laughs> and what you have uh, to help you along the way are primitive Western splints and opium. opium. <laughs> yeah, uh, and and like one shitty crutch. Um, which, God, can you imagine the pain in the armpit after all of that? Ooh, and then how many spills, nasty cracks we hear. And keep in mind that he is, he's taking this journey and going through all of this, uh, this physical turmoil after having witnessed an incredibly brutal scene, um, the, the staple boy. Uh, I mean, he was shot in the head by some sort of strange arrow, uh, vivisected. Um, and what sounds like more or less splayed out across a stable. Um, and also, uh, they had a little bit of information given to them by, uh, Arquette's character briefly, uh, who went by Buddy. Yeah, that was actually Sid Haig's character's name. Yeah. Uh, he just gave that name. Yeah. Cause, you know, what he... was, what was his actual Purvis? Purvis. Purvis, which is a very Western-ass fucking yeah. name. They don't, they don't, nobody, nobody's fucking named Purvis anymore. Yeah. Uh, Sorry to all like this one Purvis out there. <laughs> Eld Wolf. Right Wolf Smith. Yeah. Haywood. Haywood. But yeah, we, we go into Heck. this um, with, with uh, very wetted appetites almost immediately as far as gore. Uh, you nearly drown in it by the end of it. And uh, you would mention this the whole thing is steeped in like a sort of heart of darkness vibe. Yeah. And then it's like, you know, you go into unknown, untamed land, mm-hmm. untamed by white people, I guess, if yeah. you want to get into all that. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, it's unforgiving land. Yeah. Um, anybody you meet probably isn't friendly. Mm-hmm. You don't have a map. You don't know exactly where you're going. Your provisions are what you have to get you to your destination, but you don't even have a clear exit. Yeah. You know, it's it's kind of uh, you find a rabbit hole. How deep do you go? And then you're not even sure what you're gonna find when you get there. Exactly, which uh, I think that the the traveling is kind of the thing that uh, you know. Uh, let's let's continue with that analogy. Digging deeper into the rabbit hole or crawling, that's relatively uneventful. What you find at the end of it, the fact that it could be anything is the terrifying part. And the film kind of delivers on that analogy in that way because more or less it's pretty uneventful as they try to get to the destination. And the film baits you with just little fucking uh, pin drops, breadcrumbs along the way, fucking terrifying sounds, couple couple fun events along the way, some horse thieves, a um, little bit of bigotry, yeah. Uh, couple sad notions here and there. Really good character development and and show. Uh, so you know exactly what you're getting from each of these characters as they interact with each other and the world around them. I think that uh, in that it was incredibly successful. And of course, Kurt Russell as a Western sheriff is you know kind of a cherry pie. You know what you're getting. You know it's delicious. Yeah. Um... It's also, yeah, it was a good character in this. It's not like he wasn't motivated by like racism. He just wanted to help his people. Yeah, like a sense of duty to like you know, mm-hmm. do right by his town. 
Right. Uh, something that uh, Chicory had said when um, oh, what what was his name? Chicory being the assistant deputy. <laughs> yeah, just the this old deputy. goofy man. Uh, God, what was it when um when Patrick Wilson's character wakes up, and he's like, "What what just transpired?" <laughs> and um, what well, what is it? Uh, Richard Jenkins. Richard Jenkins playing Chicory is like, well. And I can't remember that character's name that Matthew Fox plays the, the well-to-do, well-dressed Bruder. man. Bruder, yeah, because that's a fucking name. Something like that, right? Yeah, I believe so. Uh, Bruder just showed those Mexicans, or uh, he educated them on the meaning of manifest destiny. Right. Yeah. In that he shot them without. Bruder. You know, yeah. I think it's a Bruner. Bruder. Bruder. Um, yeah, Sorry. educated them on the means of manifest destiny in that, you know, he just fucking shot them in cold blood in the middle of the night without knowing their intentions, which did end up coming to bite them in the ass, maybe, uh, or perhaps much like playing left. Oregon Trail, yeah. perhaps they... <laughs> Can you imagine if in Oregon Trail you could, you had to fend off, like, murderous thieves? Right, or, yeah. Like, <laughs> get held up and, like, do you use... Five bullets to shoot the trespassers in your camp? Right. <laughs> or do you hold on to them? And, uh, you know, does it, does it go more in your favor? Who fucking knows? Uh, Bruder does kind of put up a point that kind of comes from a person who is paranoid uh, from being in uh, multiple battles with Native Americans, uh, which another thing. Um, it's only somewhat abrasive. Uh, the movie's ample use of the period vernacular. Uh, you will hear Indian quite a bit. Uh, savages, a lot. Uh, also, yeah. Braves what, and warriors. And, the uh, main uh, antagonist force. Yeah. Are referred to as troglodytes. Yeah. Which just... I'm just saying yeah. that's... It feels racist to say, so I'm not sure how it's, many more times. It's I'm, like... I feel like I have to ask, so it's like, okay, it probably is. Yeah. Exactly, <laughs> but we we can simply call them the the native tribe. Yeah, the the there is a Native American character in the movie who you know isn't one of the, and he's actually killers. a professor. So you know, good on Zoller so actually putting him. him. Yeah, yeah, uh, good on put, and he was in fine clothes too. Um, he was also the one telling them about the land and everything like yeah, that. Yeah, he pretty much tells them like, all right, yeah, this is where you can find him. Yeah, he seemed to be a very well educated character. Um, so, you know, good on Zoller for at least putting someone of Native American descent. And the black characters aren't, like, treated like absolute shit. Right. Right. And actually not the first murder. Uh, only the first murder after what I would (laughs) call in a horror movie the lull. Yeah. You know, like, you see the spooky thing first, you're going to have a lull period, and now that calm is broken to allow you, um kind of immersion into the this is the spook times now the the character the stable boy was the black character mm-hmm. one one of them who got killed yes and then the owner of the stable comes in and he's like where's my damn like where's my colts and he's like you shut the fuck yeah he pretty much like it's like yeah like your horses are like not my concern right now yeah because there's you know a dead kid in the stable yeah who's and, probably maybe around 15 years old uh, and abducted um abducted wife and abducted and, yeah. deputy um yeah, so the characters feel genuine. They seem to have a, a true and honest grasp for justice. It's honestly like not a very like nihilistic 
Mm-mm. tale. Yeah, we're not watching Hell on Wheels. <laughs> uh, you know, this isn't this isn't like most Western movies where you have like your fucking tough. You know, the the grit. Train killed my wife. Uh, what what rooster fucking. Uh, Oh, what's his fucking Cogburn? name? Cogburn. Yeah, we we don't have a rooster Cogburn in this, uh, which honestly is really refreshing. Um, it's it's something that I that I really enjoy. Oh, a Western horror. I have not seen very many, uh, and it's honestly something that I would like. I'm sure, to see some more people of. would disagree with using horror to describe it, but. There's yeah. some pretty horrific things. And the end of the movie is pretty fucking tense. Yeah, it really is. And when you come into contact with the antagonists, um, their their methods and way of life are shocking to us. Yeah. You know? Um, that even, like, well, I shouldn't say even, but, like, the other Native tribes are like, yeah, we want nothing to do with them. Mm-hmm. The Native American are like, yeah, I'm not going with you because I don't want to die. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Because they're they're terrifying people. Yeah, he's like, yeah, there's, yeah, like no. And like, we're talking about like a like a small small sized tribe, um, comprised of uh, I think before any killing happens, around fifteen to sixteen males, and two blind, they say crippled, but they are paraplegic women, who are pregnant. They have like stakes through the eyes. Yeah, they're very alive. Yeah. They're literally just like there. Uh is very, very strange. Um these uh these tribesmen kind of have uh ghosts of Mars vibes. You know, like the the piercings, the body modification, everything like that. Uh like the intense body modification I should say. Um Honestly, like I don't even know we should like talk too much about them. Spoilers. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, uh they warning. are shocking to behold. Yeah. Um but won't really go I mean, you into get much of that. Of them in the beginning, so. yeah, which that's masterfully done too. Uh, where you get just enough to be like, "Whoa, what the fuck was that?" They move quick, they strike fast and brutally, and then they're gone. Yeah, yeah, and you're just kind of left there as the viewer, just like taking it in, screaming, "What the fuck?" You know, uh, which honestly, um, probably my favorite feeling that I got out of it, other than the laughter I got from Chicory, <laughs> you know. And then like, it's a, uh, it's it's you feel like they're just like doomed, yeah. They're just kind of like oh yeah, they're still going even though it's like yeah, there's like you got no horses. You've seen what you ain't these got things... horses. Yeah, one of your three members uh, can't walk. Yeah, you know, can my ha- walk. my ha- my has to catch up to you every night. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like uh, you're no longer safe to camp at night. You have to sleep during the day and for like maybe three to four hours at a time. You know, it's it's insane. It's insane that the trek itself is a marvel, uh, which I guess um, in hindsight is kind of one of those things where you're like, oh, man, you know, like this this hike is brutal. Uh, all of this uh, punishment that they're going through, you know, to to try and save these people from this unknown threat, this completely unknowable threat. Um, though my, my one gripe that I'll just barely touch on without, uh, giving you guys any sort of spoilers is, um, that, that kind of supernatural overtone does end up kind of getting shattered, uh, as the answer to your kind of questions, 
about these people is fairly bluntly shown. Um, but if you're a person who likes to have solid, concrete answers by the end of a film, then you're going to be satisfied in that fact. Mm-hmm. Um, which I know there's at least a couple of you out there, for sure. <laughs> um, the overall constant unease, uh, which is which is kind of um, the uh, the incredibly invasive, terrifying sounds that the characters... Uh, are kind of uh, beleaguered by, I would say, throughout their trek, just kind of makes you feel like at any moment they could be assailed Yeah, easily. They're literally just four barely armed men uh, carrying only what they can. Uh, they're tired. They are exhausted. They would be so easy to be picked off and just left for the carrion eaters of the desert, you know. Like you said, there's 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 very little hope here. Yeah, <laughs> but yeah, the uh, the payoff in the movies, some of the solid, most solid fucking like brutal western horror. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. Work I've ever seen. Yeah. Exactly, like the the antagonists of this film. And then, yeah, you have like really no idea what's going to happen next. Yeah, they're the unpredictable, and you never know when a bone tomahawk might fly through the air or something like that. Um, kind of a fun name. It's a very blunt name, <laughs> you know? I'm just really happy that no one picked up said bone tomahawk and said, hmm, looks bone like tomahawk. a bone tomahawk. The two and coming. (laughs) (laughs) So that kind of leaves me a a, a question that I kind of wanted to discuss. Is there too much fucking hiking in this film? Because it's like 80, 85% of the film, I feel. Maybe I'm grossly overestimating. I mean, for a Western movie, I'd say it's pretty normal. Right. I mean, it's the journey is the movie. Yeah. Pretty much. Yeah. With, uh, With the odd things sprinkled here and there. Uh, again, the turmoil. And you kind of learn more about the characters as the journey goes on. Right. It kind of brings it out. It serves as a vehicle for them to to be able to speak. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I got to say, though. Yeah. Goddamn chicory. <laughs> yeah. Every time he shows up and starts fucking talking. Yeah. His, his general excitement for the world. Yeah. <laughs> um, his... Uh, like honest to goodness innocence, you know, he's, he's like, just a good boy. Nadine always used to call me like dumb as rocks or yeah. like something. Yeah, uh, a, a dumb imbecile. Yeah, kind of liked it. Yeah, <laughs> it's like... exactly. It was nice to nice to be called a dumb imbecile again. Yeah, uh, and just like you know, visiting his wife's grave. Just pretty much, yeah. He's like, I'll I'll be back. Yeah, I gotta go help some people. Yeah, I'll see you later. There's says hi to Greg, who's also dead and buried. Yeah. Like, hi, Greg. Or Craig or something. Like yeah. What, one, one other fellow that he knew uh, from, from the town. What, what, was the, what was the town called again? Bright Hope or something. Yeah, yeah. Bright Hope. Which, you know, there's these, you know, small, small little settlement towns. Uh, I don't even think Bright Hope is a railhead. You know, so it's like. Bright Hope likely didn't exist 50 years after. I think they uh, mentioned, like, early in the movie that, like, a lot of the people just kind of cleared out. Mm-hmm. That, yeah. 
it was a boom town and now it's kind of disappearing because i guess um i can't remember if they made mention that this was in california which would make sense um because of you know the gold rush having been quite a ways back yeah as this does take place after well i think after the civil war it's like when he goes to nadine's grave it says 1891 was when she okay so yeah i think she died like not too recently yeah so it's like probably still in 1891 yeah so that's 1890s yeah 1890s so yeah these kids will remember this chicory was a (laughs) papa papa it's too soon papa but uh yeah no um he was he was uh he was a surgeon i believe yeah he was he said the war so i don't know that means the civil war right but Um, it was like 1860s Yep, 1865 so I mean, is okay, when it ended. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, yeah that's uh, that's kind of the interesting thing is uh, we know it's west. There I mean, wasn't there... a lot of civil war fighting in in the far west. But there was also uh, native wars. Yeah, a so, lot. I mean, it could have been that too. Many big battles. Which I mean. I'll have to I'll have to brush up on my Western expansion. So you're history. telling me that Bone Tomahawk is not the movie to brush up on your on your manifest destiny knowledge? Uh, unless you're getting shot in the fucking head, right? In the end. Yeah. With knowledge of uh, troglodytes. <laughs> <laughs> oh. So um, yeah. speak, speaking of, of, of Westerns, of the contents of the film, the overall structure of it, how do you feel this stacks up to other Westerns you've seen? It's probably the most brutal one I've seen. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It, it, Not at all afraid to show you every fucking bit. There's a very notable kill that is probably the most, like, <laughs> the most, like, dehumanizing. Mm-hmm painful fucked up kill I think I've ever seen in a movie yeah I was gonna say this might be the most visually shocking fucking evisceration I have ever seen it is quite literally like watching a Mortal Kombat fatality in real life and the way it is shot very well uh, gives you the idea that this actually fucking happened. Yeah. <laughs> with uh, with very little cutaways, other than to Kurt Russell's very bewildered face. Um, you, you, <laughs> you, you, you could, you dream of, you could. Sorry, it's very <laughs> late. <laughs> uh, you could honestly believe you just watched one of the most could horrendous do. fucking things. Have the could stop from the you could do, Tyler, Mister <laughs> Mister Hammer. Yeah, it's yeah, it's it's very violent. I guess is what we're saying. Yeah, uh, but yeah, if you, if you're a little bit of a gore fiend, like you'll enjoy it for that. If you are someone who admires practical effects, I think you'll really like it. Um, if you're a sadistic motherfucker, I think that you will have a heyday. Um, <laughs> if you are squeamish, 
I do not recommend. <laughs> I do not recommend this film, good sir. Because uh, m- m- most of this is, is incredibly brutal. Yeah, and, he, and again, let me reiterate that the movie opens with David Arquette very poorly cutting a person's throat. Yeah. Drawn out throat cutting. That was, And I had to, like, warn you guys, because, like, it, it really fucked with me when I first watched it. Yeah. Considering, like, C-Spot Run was one of my favorite <laughs> childhood movies. <laughs> And there's David Arquette <laughs> with his rusty knife, literally just pushing the knife so hard and flat against the throat that he has to, like, hold on to the head as he drags it across. And, yeah, just kind of poorly digs it in there. <laughs> it's pretty fucked up, is what I'm saying. Yeah. He almost steals that person's hat, but he decides against it later. <laughs> yeah. Jesus Lord, Jesus whipped. <laughs> so we talked about if it works as a as a Western movie, and I think that it has all of the different ingredients of one, um, and is executed just fine. Now, the I think possibly more arguable point. It's like a tale that people would probably tell each other around the campfire to scare people. Yeah, that's exactly how it feels. Um, and I believe that Zoller had written a novel uh, years prior, which this the script for this film was actually written, I believe, in 2007. So there was an eight-year gap between the script being written and the film being made, which I know isn't necessarily unheard of and is somewhat common. Um, but he had written a book that was really shocking, and I believe that Kurt Russell had read it and said, this is an authentic, brutal look at the West that just gives you this, like, not necessarily the same words that people would use, like, gritty and blah, 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 but, like, a flesh and blood feeling of what the times and places were like, which, uh, honestly, I feel like Bone Tomahawk does pretty fucking well. Mm Mm-hmm. There's no deus ex machina here. <laughs> there is literally just you and miles and miles of loose rock so and, count and shit. Pat Wilson figuring mm-hmm. out how the throat whistle works. Yeah. I think wasn't he wasn't he supposed to be like an educated person though? Yeah, he was. Uh, so maybe he, he was, saw he that. He was pretty smart, and he heard the whistling. Yeah. So I think he's kind of like picked up on how it worked. Yeah. Yeah. I think so. I suppose Smart that guy. is that is kind of yeah. You need you need a protag to be able to figure out how how the spooky thing operates so that the viewer can have a sense of security <laughs> so that you can quickly rob that away in a different portion, you know, closer to the end there. I think that's kind of part of the whole archetype of a horror movie typically and i admire chicory for being so damn positive even though they're facing certain death oh yeah like terrible terrible terrifying <laughs> agonizing awful death i really didn't want to see him die i was no ready for yeah it. it's it, w- it would be akin to think of like world's best grandpa and you're like no don't take my grandpa yeah <laughs> and that that's fucking chicory so in in all of that, do you think that Bone Tom Hawk works as a as a horror film? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> was that a was that a walnut smacking the side of your head? 
uh, making my, you think. My golf ball. <laughs> <laughs> your golf ball brain cell fucking flexing against your scroll. Yep. Yeah, uh, it's it's just terrifyingly brutal. Yeah, yeah. And that, like, yeah. Um, I feel like a... I don't know why I kept thinking of, like, Blair Witch Project when I first saw it. Right. Was it the, the kind of, like, macabre, like, uh, kind of fetishes that we kind of saw around, like, the, the bones kind of kinda left like here that, and there? and just, like, you're... The ritualistic kind of burial space. You're in the wilderness. Wandering. You're in a dark, damp cellar cave. Yeah, yeah. Where you're very likely to meet your end. You know, the thing is, too, is when we get a shot of that uh, quite possibly naturally made cave, like in that, um, I don't know if I'd really call it a, a, a mountain, but I will say a mountainous mountainous side, mm-hmm. uh, I feel like I could be driving down a highway somewhere in the west or possibly out hiking, see that, point at it and be like, fuck that. Yeah. You know, and just, there. yeah, like, l- just steer very far away. Um, kind of brings back a sort of natural fear that we have of the unknown and uh, of you... just spooky natural things that we've seen. Also, I'm pretty sure it was mentioned in the movie, so I think it's worth mentioning here. Yeah. So I think the reason the troglodytes uh, only came out was because... David Arquette and Sid Higgs characters fucked with their burial site. Yeah, yeah, which they had accidentally stumbled upon. Yeah, and then that kind of set them on, you know, the hunt for blood. <laughs> the hunt for blood, yeah, in a sort of, like, uh, zealous revenge kind of thing. There's... Kind <laughs> of come back to Chicory. It's like, yeah, they didn't eat the stable boy. It's like... Like, it's like, yeah, and then uh, the professor character is like, yeah, they don't eat Negroes. Oh, yeah. Like, they think they're poisonous? Oh, my God, <laughs> it's yeah. It's like, chicory, please. It's chicory. <laughs> like, like, literally, like, chicory, shut the fuck up. And he's like, oh, okay. okay. <laughs> well, all right. It's just fucking <laughs> ridiculous. He just, just kind of, like, accepts, yeah, like, any time. Like, he's like, dude, shut the fuck up. He's like, yeah, well, all right. <laughs> When he just kind of kept uh, kept poking Bruder's character, yeah. like, how come you don't like the natives that much? And he's just like, well, how about you ask my uh, my mom and my sister? And he's like, but I ain't ever met them. Like, no, you have not. Like, <laughs> oh, you mean? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, yeah, that's what yeah. that means. Just like a tad slower. You know, he's not going to pick up on, on these kind of like social cues. Um, which just kind of gives him much more of a uh, human charm, I think. Just kind of fun. Very much the most human character in the movie. I guess. Yeah, yeah. Um, so overall, obviously, we really liked Chicory. We feel like this definitely fits the bill for a western movie. It definitely fits the bill for a horror movie. Maybe not say a, a contemporary one. This is more of like a think about if you were in this position the unknown is kind of the uh the fear here as well as um this more or less untouched unromanticized um group of people unromanticized is a good uh word for 
the portrayal of the American West. Yes. So I, I feel like it, it definitely fits the bill for both, uh, which is good because, as I said before, it's kind of a underutilized setting, this uh, Western horror. Always, <laughs> I could really go for more of that. Um, gold mining and finding something you shouldn't have. You know, <laughs> that's cool. that's something that I could go with. Um, you know, some fucking... Uh, what what is that? Uh, the something the horrors of Dunwich or some bullshit. The Dunwich horror. Yeah. The Dunwich horror. Yes. Um, but yeah, I, I, just something I could really go for. for I, I'm, fi- I'm finally. I'm glad I finally got to get you to watch it. Yeah, uh, you left this at my house for like almost a year. It feels <laughs> like maybe it was less. I've been known to over exaggerate. I still have your copy of fucking. Um, the name of the anime, I always forget until I need to remember. Ergo Proxy? Ergo Proxy. Yeah. I have it on my counter. That's a really that's a really stellar one. See, I'm like, man, I'll watch that sometime. Anyways. But yeah, no, I'm glad I, I watched it again after four years of not watching it. Yeah, I'm glad that I finally watched it, and uh, I didn't need to stare at it every day for a year. <laughs> again. Um, overall, I think what I liked the most about it was that steady kind of reminder that this terrifying force was somewhere out there. They were incredibly vulnerable um, and more or less ill-prepared, though they thought that they were more than Mm -hmm. well-prepared. The brutal scenes, honestly, uh, I like to be shocked, especially with my horror and uh, the scenes that are in Bone Tomahawk are much different than than brutal scenes that I've seen uh, in other horror films, you know? So uh, I really enjoyed having the, the different flavor, yeah. I think, is, is the best way to put that. What about yourself? You know, I remember watching the, the cave scene where they pretty much eviscerate the deputy. Yeah. And I, I was just sitting there watching, like, oh, dude. <laughs> yeah. I was like, okay, all right, this is where the movie's going. And it's a, it's a payoff, I was mad. It's just, like, from that point on. Yeah. It's like, okay, like, you're, like, gripping the edge. You see just, like, all right, what's going to go? What's going to yeah, happen? Yeah, kind of wanting to crawl over your couch or chair to get away from it. Seeing Kurt Russell get the last word in was pretty good, too. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Kind of one one <laughs> final kind of uh, parallel here. If you've watched the show Vikings, and uh, I want to say it's like season two or season three, uh, the main character Ragnar Lothbrok performs a blood eagle on someone, uh, which I don't know, Brent, if you're familiar. You probably told me at one point, but I don't remember. Long story short, you like uh, spread the ribs of a person while they're alive. And you kind of carve through the tendons, allowing the rib cage to kind of open like this. Mm-hmm. So you have the skin still attached to the arms. So you have these big, you know, bloody wings. And you reach in and you take the organs out, not carving them out, still attached and still functioning out of the body as you rest them over the shoulders of the person. And uh, they, the, yeah, the blood eagle. 
and uh, if the person screams in pain at all during this, they will be sent to Niflheim when they die instead of Valhalla. So you won't die in combat. Uh, this was typically done to someone that tried to forfeit or uh, beg for mercy uh, in combat. Um, or to, you know, Christian folk. <laughs> you know? Uh, so, this is worse. <laughs> This is much worse than that. And it doesn't take nearly as much time or articulation. It is so much worse. <laughs> it just seemed like such a by-the-numbers move for them. Yeah. Just like, okay, we're doing the thing now. Yeah. I'll hold the left side. You hold the right. Okay, I've got the thing. <laughs> I'm doing the thing. All right, food time. <laughs> food time. <laughs> it's man time. Yeah, man time food. Man, man meat. Give me the man meat. I don't know what else to say about it. Is it I, right? Yeah. What did you like uh, less? Nothing. Nothing. I, nothing. Didn't it's really like have nothing. I feel like, like mentioning, you know. Right. Like it could have been shorter, maybe. Yeah. Even like, though I'm a guy who use, likes long movies now. Yeah. But like, I could use a little bit less hiking, just because, like, it, it. I don't know. I almost kind of was like, oh man. Every time we watched the the three, you know, uh, chicory. Uh, deputy and brooder kind of hiking and talking and looking through a telescope and hiking and talking and then you know they they take a break and we go back to patrick wilson's character and we just watch him struggle through personal anguish pain and and turmoil with mother earth in some ways it feels like a black comedy too yeah it kind of does yeah it's kind of like a probably because oh, the sure character once again coming back to that right but it's also the guy who has a bum leg coming to save everybody yeah somehow like despite the odds ends up yeah crawling killing three before he gets to the cave finally yeah and then like you know crawls his way to success um i like the uh the they're trying to drink the opium but make it look like really cool so they get them to try <laughs> no, it let me have some let me have a drink yeah. mine None of you are some nabobalid do like, right, well, the first one, he'll probably be unconscious. The second one's definitely going to die. And the third one, no, not at all. He'll be fine. Like, well, two's respectable. Yeah, <laughs> like, two's respectable. <laughs> he really does feel like a character from King of the Hill. <laughs> it's like Bill Dotree. Yes. If he wasn't as pathetic. Oh, I came up here to kill myself. Yeah. <laughs> No one would have me. People would. He had a wife. He People did. would have him. He's a good guy. But, but Bruder, yeah. though. Bruder never had a wife. Because smart people don't get married, I yeah. guess. Yeah. Some bullshit like that. So, is there anything that you would change overall? No. Yeah. No, I, I mean, I honestly liked it just the way it was. You know, I bitched a lot about the, the, the traveling and stuff. Uh, I mean, I really had no issue with it. Yeah. Maybe more brutality. <laughs> Except I thought it was just, just more like, more where are they going to find at the end of this? It's already it's a it's a treacherous enough journey. Pretty much every night, something bad happened to him. Yeah, I think it also kind of sp- speaks loudly that they pretty much find no remains anywhere. You know what I mean? There's animal skulls kind of uh, decorating the walls leading into the valley of uh, the starved man. I think isn't isn't that what they starving? Call? Yeah, so yeah, valley of the starving man or something. Yeah, which is a really cool name for a valley that holds these uh, 
these cannibal cannibals. People. Yeah. And uh, kind of surprising that we didn't see any. They give me a cannibal human. Holocaust vibe. Yeah. And, you know, because of the cannibals. <laughs> yeah, because of the cannibals. Minus the animal abuse. Yeah. And uh, aside from, like, the kind of, like, ritual burial site, we don't see any human remains anywhere. Uh, so it, it was kind of shocking to me. But perhaps that just means that they are very much so using every last bit of the person. They you know, kind of wear the remains. Yeah, they did do a lot of that. Did a lot of uh, animal remains as well. They need still don't even know how to reload. <laughs> that was a fantastic fucking scene, too. Uh-oh. <laughs> <laughs> Can you imagine you're about to be fucking killed, and your buddy watching you just says, uh-oh. <laughs> yeah, like, can you imagine if I was in a cell... And watch you in what's probably your final moments. Like, oh, he doesn't even know how to use a gun. Like, oh, shit. He learned how to use a gun. <laughs> Looks like he can use the gun. Sorry, bud. Sorry, dude. Oh, my God. And he just says, I'll avenge you. Because later, <laughs> oh, God, he is such, oh, man. He really, like, it's, like, it's horrifying, but you're also laughing because this fucking guy is in the middle of it. It was just dumb as rocks, but also just so fucking lovable. Yeah. But still hasn't broken character at all yet. He's still the same guy. He just refuses to change. Yeah, I really wish I could talk to him about like how he felt about the movie, how he felt about his character. There's a uh, interview in the DVD. Yeah, where he talks about that. Anyways, I, I, I don't have anything else to say about it right now. It's no, good. Yeah. Really it's good. Blunt like a bone tomahawk. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Uh, check it out. Yeah. I, I totally agree. Um, it's kind of criminal that, that a film like this from 2015 kind of went under the radar. And uh, I can't say that I, I, I feel bad about not seeing it then. It's probably because I was supposed to see it now. <laughs> you know? Erin um, said that she liked it. Weird. She said she didn't hate it. Yeah. So I think that, I think that means she liked it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, she... <laughs> she, she, she she was on her phone less than I was for the that's, movie. That's true. I noticed that. I did have a lot going on. I even got a dirty look from her. That bigot. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. She'll she'll kill me with my own femur. <sighs> well, if you find my body vivisected with <laughs> my own scalp in my mouth, um, you'll know what happened. <laughs> yeah, well. uh, please walk Nico for me. He's a good boy, He's and good boy. Uh, he deserves that kind of uh, that kind of attention. Maybe you won't be so scared to me. Yeah, you won't be scared. I hope you ain't scared. Try and check out a uh, bone tomahawk. Try and bone stomach tom- your way all the way to the end. And if you're still hungry afterwards, you've earned a gold star. <laughs> I know I'm not. All right. Thanks for listening again, folks. Have a great day, night, afternoon, morning. Yeehaw. Check it out. <laughs> Good night. Bye. Hit us up on Twitter and face- the Facebook. Leave a like and subscribe.
battle across green hills and hostile plains, weathering elements, savages, and each other. For western twilight winds cut and whip them, wheels unbroken, these men press on, or doomed men ride out. Civilization for doomed men right out. Beyond the edge of civilization.